Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. Just when we thought that we had it figured out, week one happened. The voice of the Sebi Podcast Show. We welcome you guys inside the studios at WNSC. Myself and Michael Gray, the familiar cast of the show, right here from the Central Florida area. Mike in the DMV area where he's from out there. It's nice to be back, and it's nice to get back at it, Mike. Man, it always is, man, especially after the weekend we just had with college football, NFL. Oh, man, I, I can't wait to get to it. Let's get it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, indeed. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about parody? I always bring the word parody up because that's what it, it, it's mayhem. It's parody. It is, it's just craziness. Uh, what I what I think about is just it's March Madness every Sunday. That's what it that's what it essentially feels like. Yeah, for sure, man. It's, it it was it was parody and it's like competitions at an all time high and, and teams are motivated. Even the underdogs, the underdogs are even motivated. So, yeah, absolutely right. Well, let's get to it, Mike. Let's get things brewing here. We start off today with my opening segment. My opening segment today, guys, is proud and sponsored by. RDV Sportsplex, that's right, RDV Sportsplex, Miss Stephanie Ori in, located right here in Maitland, Florida, right here in the heart of Orlando and the Central Florida area. RDV Sportsplex, the largest sports complex in Central Florida, hands down, and it's really not even close. A square feet of 38 acres wide, you have fitness gyms, to bars, to basketball courts. Uh, to areas for figure skating, ice skating, hockey, tennis, you name it, they've got it. And if you're an athlete or you want to get back in condition, RDV Sportsplex is the place for you. And again, tell them myself and Michael Gray from the Sebi Podcast Show sent you. And Mike, we're going to get right to it. Saturday night was the game where the center stage was in Austin. Texas, number nine Texas, hosted Number six, LSU. And boy, did the combination of Joe Brady coming from that Saints organization, being a student under Sean Payton for all those years, now being the offensive coordinator for LSU now, calling the place for Joe Burrow. And I believe, Mike, Joe Burrow kicked off his Eisman campaign. Oh, my goodness, did he? he the odds maker said that before the game, he was at 25 to 1 to win the Heisman. Now he's at 6 to 1. Like that, he's he's, <laughs> he's skyrocketed his uh, Heisman tr- uh, 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 chances, and especially now that w- the way he's playing, LSU's record is more than likely going to be very good. So you know he has the winning part of it, and then the way he's playing, oh my goodness, hey, he keeps this up. Uh, he's going to be in the running. He's going to be one of those guys, if not selected, he's going to be one of those guys in the uh, conversation that's that goes to, that goes to the Heisman to to get selected. I I was shell shocked because. The the Joe Burrow I know from 2017 and the Joe Burrow I know from 2018, this is this is unbelievable. Uh, you know, first of all, LSU is known as a run running running team. You know, yeah, got great great running backs from there. Uh, you talk about Darius Geis, you talk about Leonard Fournette. You know, one of the top, if not one of the top seven to ten running backs in the NFL. And so they've had a great 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 system producing great running back prospects. That doesn't mean they can't uh, pr- provide um, receivers. We've seen Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, but they didn't utilize them well in college. So they're a running team, and they've been historically great on defense. And But what we've seen in Austin on 
Saturday night was just an anomaly. I mean, I was just shell-shocked. In those confines, in Austin, you knew that Texas was going to give you their best shot. And LSU just got there. They started off slow. But in that second quarter, I believe he only missed one completion. It was like 14 for 15. Right. Guys like Justin Jefferson got open. And mm-hmm. you saw the continuity between him and those three special wideouts. They, they, they beat him on top of the line of scrimmage. They beat him deep. And Joe Burrow was throwing darts. It was just unbelievable to watch, Mike. It, it absolutely was, man. It, it, it was it was amazing because, you know, they were they were battling. They were going back and forth. And, you know, it, it wasn't much defense being played, especially not in the second half. And, you know, the offenses had to continue to capitalize on opportunities and make plays. And that's exactly what Joe Burrow did. Every time they blitzed him, he got out of there, made a big play, found the right reads. He was poised in the pocket. He, he, he did his thing. He had, a, he had an amazing game. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what he looks like uh, – Going the way he's looking right now, he can upset some top teams. Absolutely. So, Mike, LSU fans have been telling me, where has this offense been? Darius Geist in 2016, Leonard Fournette in 2017. Where has this creative offensive come? Is it um, uh, is it Joe Joe Brady, the the new offensive coordinator that's calling the shots, <laughs> or is it just a resurgence on Joe Burrow's game? It's a common. It's a combination of both. I, th- I think. It's definitely uh, uh, with the offensive coordinator from the New Orleans Saints. You know, the, the, the mentality of Sean Payton is, is rub, was rubbing off on everybody in that organization, and he brought that energy over here to LSU. And sometimes you need an offensive coordinator to, to put things in the right – put pieces in the right places and to, to put every – to make it – to capitalize and make everybody's job easier and to get to maximize the potential of everybody. And that's exactly what we have with Joe Burrow. Like you said – the progression that he's made from 2017 to now has been absolutely amazing. And sometimes you need that, that coordinator that understands you and that is willing to put his faith in you and trust in you and uh, watch his growth. And I think the growth of Joe Burrow as well. I think he's grown over the years and grown over time. And, you know, having that offensive coordinator in combination of his growth and, and him being able to see the field a lot better now than, than in previous years, I think that's – that's what's capitalized uh, on this opportunity right now, and that's why this LSU offense looks like one of the best LSU offenses we've seen in recent memory. Definitely there. I said after this game, I think LSU was number six. I said that they're pretty good enough after this one to jump to leapfrog to three. Not sure if the committee would put them over Clemson or Alabama at the moment, but I think they should at least get up to the three spot. They ended up in the fourth spot on the latest poll, and I believe, Mike, is really good enough with this new resurgent offense that they'll run the table and be on the field <coughs> until they meet up Alabama in Tuscaloosa early November. That's going to be the decider for the SEC West. Speaking of the devil, I was I wasn't the only one who thought about that. Joey Galloway, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneers receiver, Hello? Now they look like a team that can beat Alabama because Joe Burrow is no longer just a game manager. He can carry this football team and what he's doing, Jess, it's up to the quarterback to give us the ball in the perfect place to get you run after the catch. Joe Burrow's doing that perfectly for us. And we know the past. And, and, and that's there. And, and, and he's right. Joe Burrow is no longer a game manager now yeah. in Alex Smith. He's a game changer. And that's going to pay dividends because if you play the likes of Texas A&M and, L- and, and Alabama, of course, in the SEC West, if you don't, if you have a game changer, boy, that goes a long way. Well, it definitely does. And not only did he improve his Heisman stock, he also improved his draft stock as well. He looks like he looks like a quarterback that could possibly, you know, in the future for a team. And you know, it was it was amazing to watch his progression and watch him watch him grow and you know show out in a big game like that was. I know it was only week two. But that was a big game on Saturday. Bright lights. Everybody in the country was watching this game and watching him perform, and he and he put on the show. And uh, the, the the team around him, the offense around him, uh, helped him out. You know, catching the passes, blocking for him, and things of that nature. So, a solid running game. But Joe Burrow was the was that man in that game yesterday and the other day, and I, I was happy for him. 
definitely there. And so when we look at the opposite side of the equation here, where does Texas go here? I know this is a bad loss. I would love to have this in your resume become kind of early December. When the polls come out and you're trying to get in a college football playoff, this one would look great. So would you agree best case scenario here is you got to hope LSU does well, which I believe they'll do because, you know, I, I don't think that this was just, you know, um, you know, a fluke what they did. I think that this is something that can be consistent and it can be a continuum throughout the progression of the season. And then, of course, you got to run the, run the table in the Big 12. I mean, you got to be all your opponents, and that includes Oklahoma in the regular season and in the Big 12 championship. So can Sam Ellinger and Tom Herman make that happen for Longhorns? I think they absolutely have a, have, have this, have a chance to, and they, and they can because – this Texas team, that granted, we're talking about Joe Burrow and how great he did. This Texas team looked very well, is very good as well. Sam Ellinger was was balling. They really, <coughs> excuse me, they really um had a chance to win this game and by a by a solid margin. It it was a point in that time in the first quarter and and a little bit in the second quarter where they had a chance. They squandered uh three opportunities in the uh in, in their um in opponent's territory, but twice in the red zone. They went forward on fourth down to one that one time where a dude dropped a uh, touchdown pass, and then the second time they went for it, they they ran a predictable quarterback draw that got stopped. That's fourteen points potentially on the board, possibly ten, easily. So th- th- those are points right there that could have been had. And Texas has got to be looking at themselves like we really we really gave this game away with our mistakes and and, and our not capitalizing on opportunities. And then you had the situation where they was down 37-31, came all the way back in the fourth quarter. And on third and 17, they decided to blitz. But as soon as they didn't get home, Joe Burrow found a wide-open receiver, and it was it was, it was was done for them because the DBs for Texas couldn't really hang with these receiving cores. So I, Texas really I – don't, I don't think they should be hanging their heads off this one. They, obviously, they would have loved to have this game, but it happens. It happens sometimes you, when you don't capitalize on opportunities. A great team will. It will make you pay for it. And that's exactly what LSU did. So I think Texas goes into the future, uh, pretty thinking, feeling pretty good about themselves, knowing that that's SEC competition right there, and we can dominate our Big Twelve if we really, if we really, uh, if we can play like that and continue to, you know, not, not make the same silly mistakes that we made. Absolutely, absolutely. And the play that you thought that third and seventeen, Burrow hits uh, Justin Jefferson, who had a monster <laughs> game. He hits him in stride, and the rest is history. I mean, he perks off the afterburners and goes all the way. That was the third and 17 play. That was just a backbreaker on Texas when they thought they had a chance to get off the field. But you're right. We talk about this Texas defense. I mean, it worries me because the defense is always a problem and not just for them, any opponent in the Big 12. Can you at least get off on third downs? That's always the thing. And it's up to the point where now, Mike, if you can at least get off on third down, you give them, you give your offense more possessions to have the ball on offense. That's the way for you to win. So the Big 12, is has Achilles has always been defense, but in Texas, Texas uh, knew they squandered a golden opportunity. But I think that they they walk out here with their ha- head held high. They knew that they miss opportunities in the red zone. I I don't remember the 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 young man's name that Ellinger tried to throw the fourth down play and he dropped it in the end zone mm-hmm. earlier. That that's basically the the the, the game right there. Forty five thirty eight. That's the that's a touchdown right there. So. That's the difference between winning a game and losing a football game. So um, they had, you know, spots in the red zone. Ellinger got stopped by that ferocious LSU front line. And so I I think Texas has their heads held high here. So moving on forward. So we'll see how they do in the thick of their Big 12 schedule coming up. So from that game, we want to go to Death Valley and Clemson, where Clemson had a, a stiff competition themselves. You know, arguably the maybe the strongest team on their schedule. You look at the rest of the teams they play on the schedule, it's kind of like a cupcake. So they went, they knew last year they played Texas A&M at Texas A&M in Kyle Field. They only won by two, but that was Kelly Bryant quarterback. Now Trevor Lawrence, obviously <coughs> that historical run he had last year, he's quarterback now. He gets to see an SEC defense, and he didn't look quite much. But when you have guys like Travis CTN, Justin Ross, and T. Higgins, they make a difference, Mike, and of Clemson hasn't played Clemson football yet, but Dabo Sweeney will take it. He's 2-0, and that's all you need. Right. W's the W. Absolutely. And you're right. This is probably the best team that they're going to play in the regular season. Um, um, Texas A&M was game for most of this game. The first half, it was a pretty, pretty very competitive game. It was like a defensive battle on both sides. 
you know, it was a couple of plays being made, but Clemson just flexed their muscle and just had too much offense for them. The, the, the offense, the, I was actually surprised with how well Texas A&M played. They, they actually played very well, but Clemson's defense was too strong. They, they were too strong all game long, and Texas A&M, they, anytime they had an opportunity to get points on the board and move the ball down the field, they ended up turning the ball over or making a big-time play that, that, that swung momentum and knocked them out of field goal range or, or whatever the case may be. But Texas A&M was definitely game, but on on defense, but offensively, they couldn't hang with this team. They they, they just couldn't do it, and um, it it was special. It was special. It was special to see. It was special to see that. And I I, I was imp- I was impressed with Texas A&M, but I was more impressed with Clemson's defense. I think Clemson's defense really showed something. Really showed something. So I, I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get denied to Clemson on this one. Yeah, definitely. There a lot of Clemson. All four. Defensive ends last year went to the NFL. You talk about Colin Farrell with the uh, Oakland Raiders now. You have Christian Wilkins with the Miami Dolphins. So that was a great defensive team. And so what Dabo Swimmy and that man in Alabama does, they just retool on defense every single year, and it just fast. Oh, speaking about the Tigers, Mike, this week, game of the week apparently, it will be the Clee- the. Clemson Tigers going to Syracuse in New York in the care. So that tough schedule. Schedule this year. So if they get past that, I mean, <laughs> could we say that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right? So Syracuse is good. obviously Syracuse is going to make it a game and be motivated because of how bad they looked against Maryland this past weekend. But I, Syracuse should handle. I mean, Clemson, excuse me, should handle that business. So there, there shouldn't be any worries about Syracuse. <laughs> None whatsoever. Because myself and Michael Gray, when we come back, we get and talk about our week. We look back to the pro game, the NFL, and we look at our picks, where we went right and where we went wrong. Because <laughs> we did went go wrong in a lot of them. Yeah. The studios of WNFC, the Savvy Podcast Radio Show. <laughs> you started talking a lot about your right. the Washington Redskins, right. not your Redskins, but the Redskins, the Washington Redskins, uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles. They look really good, Mike. Seventeen point lead in Philly. If you told me that, I'd look at you uh, uh, awkward too. As yes. in, like, what? The, the Redskins are really good, but you never know in division games. You know why? The division opponents know your playbook, and they went actually had brought pressure with four to Carson Wentz. It really rattled him early in that game. Uh, I, I, my hearts go out to Vernon Davis right. on his issues that he's dealing with emotionally there. It was, I was happy to see him have a touchdown there. But in the second half, I believe Doug Peterson just opened a playbook and D-Jax, that's right, Deshaun Jackson, he should never left Philly. It was because of Chip Kelly. So he's back. He got onto the scoreboard, two deep balls. Carson Wentz to Deshaun Jackson. I expect that potentially to be. Oh, it's going to be. <laughs> Carson it's going to be a huge thing. Jackson, they think? set the tone in week one of what we're going to see throughout the season. And as long as as long as they're together in Philly, uh, that, that combination is special. You're absolutely right when it comes to the Washington Redskins. I wasn't that surprised uh, that the Redskins jumped out to a big lead early in this game for two reasons. One, be, one is last year, Carson Wentz showed that he would he he was uh he would have slow he would come out to these slow starts in the first half and then turn it on in the second half and and and, and start putting real big time points up on the board and making things happen. Uh, in, in in this situation, this was the exact same situation. But another reason why I wasn't that surprised was because majority of the Philly starters, including Carson Wentz, didn't play a single snap in the preseason. So sometimes you got to get that rust out, and and it, it takes that first half of the first game. Right in order to do it since you never had any in-game action yet. So once they got in the flow and once they uh, utilized all of their weapons to the best of their ability, I mean, they absolutely showed that, you know, this this team is going to be a juggernaut. You know, this team is going to be one of those offenses that defenses, defensive coordinators are going to have nightmares uh, about the day before. And I fully expect this team to, especially Carlton Wentz and De- De- Deshaun Jackson, but this offense in general, I, th- I expect them to be a juggernaut with all the weapons that they have at every single position. Anyways, we'll, we'll see where they move on from there. Uh, prayers go out to uh, Darius Geis with that injury. Seems like AP, who was a healthy scratch in this game, will 
carry the load for them in their upcoming games in week two. We also had this game wrong. The Panthers at home against the Rams. We thought Cam Newton and a very good Panthers defense. Boy, do they play well at home. They really had slow starts, penalties to turnovers, turning the ball over. And Cameron Durrell Newton, your first game injured, say hello to Aaron Donald in that line. And boy, did they get after him. Todd Gurley got going late. Not a big game for Jared Goff, but it was enough. And so for the reigning defending NFC champions, Mike, what did you see from them? Uh, I saw a very poised team. I saw a mature team. I saw a team that's, you could tell they were the Super Bowl champs. They came out aggressive on defense, and they, they made big-time plays. They just made smart decisions in this game. Yes, in the second half, the Panthers' offense picked up and, you know, made, made it a very good – made a game out of this. But in that first half and the majority of this game, they really set the tone for this game and set the tone for how they're going to look for this season because um, the defense looked, looked tremendous. And they really, they really uh, suffocated Cam Newton early on and – didn't give him or McCaffrey a chance to do much of anything. I was I was very impressed with what I saw from the Rams. They 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 shocked me on the road going not necessarily going on the road, but going traveling across to the East Coast. They shocked me and proved and proved me that that they can hang with the East Coast guys. Yeah, definitely. There, they saying even with a Super Bowl hangover, we're still a force to reckon right. with in the NFC. And then, of course, there are. Teams, and then there's the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, <laughs> you know, Tyreek Hill with his shoulder injury, that was a big piece. I know that messed me up in my fantasy team because I've got on one league, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. So when they scored touchdowns, that's double the points, yeah. right? And so Tyreek Hill going down, and that was just a nightmare. And then there was Sammy Watkins, <laughs> the forgotten man. People forgot about how good Sammy Watkins right. was, a top eight pick out of Clemson, before there was Deshaun Watson, before there was DeAndre Hopkins, before there was all the great <laughs> players, it was indeed Sammy Watkins who set the tone. And boy, I, I forgot how explosive he was. And that was an explosion in Jacksonville. And Mike, where was this Jacksonville defense that we were talking about, that we were raving about? Where was A.J. Boye, Jalen Ramsey? Uh, I mean... I haven't heard a lot of tripping for him lately. Where was Tashawn Gibson and all these playmakers? The line in Gakwe, I didn't see that. Patrick Mahomes feasted, and you thought he had rapport with Tyreek Hill? Oh, man. Imagine the things he could do with Sammy Watkins on the opposite side. You're absolutely right. I mean, to, to be honest with you, Sammy, it's not much chirping you could do when somebody hangs 40 on you and just, just you can't stop them. It's not much chirping you really can do. So I, you're absolutely right. We didn't hear much from Jacksonville, but at the same time, it's, it's tough, man, because Jacksonville is a great defense. But this just shows you how much of a juggernaut that this Kansas City Chiefs offense is. You're absolutely right about, you know, forgetting about Sammy Watkins. It's easy to forget about somebody as lethal as Sammy Watkins is when they're playing behind a guy like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey as the main focal points of an offense. But but once but like but once they go down and, and, they, and they're uh, known as the focal point and being used as such, then the, they explode. You know, he had 198 yards. And three touchdowns in this game. It was he was explosive and he was a, a big time playmaker. And this is just a, a start of something something special with him because uh, this Kansas City offense is still lethal. Even with I know Tyreek Hill is going to be sitting out for a little while, but this 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 Kansas City offense is still one of the greatest offenses we've ever seen. And if this Jacksonville defense can't do anything with him at home, then nobody can do anything with this defense with, with this team because <laughs> that's how much of a juggernaut they are on all phases offensively and Patrick Mahomes is is picking up where he left off from his MVP year. It, it it was it was just like a replica of last year and um I expect to see more I expect to see more of this from this offense uh throughout the throughout the season. Andy Reid calling the shots. He definitely knows what he does. LaShawn McCoy, McCall Hardman, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Tra uh, Tyreek Hill when he comes back. The weapons just keep on blessing. Patrick Mahomes, as if he even needed more weapons, which is something crazy. Um, here's another game that I, uh, we had right together. The Chargers, we thought this would be an ugly game, but the Chargers really came out and handled business. Of course, fantasy <coughs> team, I knew that he would be in the passing game with 
Chargers won. And so, um, I, you know, I, I think the Chargers are still going to be really good. This so that could be really good. But the highlight of this game, Mike, was that one-handed interception by Malik Hooker. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. Oh, yeah, it, abs- it absolutely was. And, you know, he was special throughout this game. He was he was special. Uh, the, this Colts team was very impressive as well. They got the, they got down to that twenty four to nine uh, hole in the second half, and then Marlon Mack goes off for that big touchdown run. And then you're right that we saw the interception, and I was I was impressed with Jacoby Brissett and how he was able to bring this team back and, and lead a game time drive and get the two point conversion. So um, this Colts team showed that even without Andrew Luck, they have talent and pieces around this team that 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 could have made them a Super Bowl contender with Luck. But um, you know the Chargers were just too much in this game, and and then they ended up pulling it off in overtime. I think one of the biggest takeaways from this game is that the Chargers really are gonna miss Melvin Gordon and Derwin James uh, th- throughout this season. Uh, whenever Derwin James come back, I know they they would be much needed. But if if Melvin Gordon doesn't come back with this team, they're really gonna miss him a lot. Yes, they're gonna be missing those hard, ter- tough, hard earned yards. I can't use a. Right. The power. I was thoroughly impressed by what I saw. Not a lot length field here in the twelfth man in Seattle and be successful during the football. Trust me, all these years. But of course they did. But at the end, you've got Russell Wilson, Ty- hits Tyler Lockett, 44 yards. That was the game winner. Andy Dalton threw for 418. John Ross had 158 yards receiving. So they really opened up the play, but I thought Andy Dalton played really well. Yeah. But, of course, Wilson at home is just like Sean Payton when Drew Brees, almost unbeatable at home as well. They won by one point. But maybe, the, maybe, maybe, just maybe, we, we, you, you mentioned this last week, Mike. You wanted to see how the Bengals would come out post Marvin Lewis era. I think they did well in a small sample size. I think they did well. As, I think they did very well too. And I see, I see this. I see this team continuing to compete, continuing to uh, to fight week after week and find their new identity, and just continue to and continue to, to win because they have the talent. Are they finally putting it together? We'll we'll see in the in the coming weeks, but. Post Marvin Lewis, that was a great week one. That was a great first test. Going up to Seattle in the 12th man and having to deal with that crowd noise and Russell Wilson and those guys, that was a great test. They came out aggressive. They weren't, you know, shy. They came out and they matched them athlete for athlete, player for player, and they did their thing. They competed. It was a tough loss, but they were right there nip and tuck with them. They easily could have won that game as well. It could have went either way. So I'm interested to see what Cincinnati looks like uh, throughout the rest of this season because – if they can play like that, they can win some ball games this year and, and shock some teams. It's funny how when one player gets a head coach or a coordinator that can actually make calls, their offense all of a sudden looks different. Bill Lazor really did get calling the shots as a head coach in game one. We'll see how he does next. Speaking of play calling, I don't think anybody benefited off play polling better than what the Cowboys saw against your New York football giants. Keelan Moore, of course, former quarterback, did great things in his collegiate career in Boise State and also a little bit in the NFL as a backup. Now calling the shots for Dak Prescott instead of Scott Lenahan in Dallas. And I mean, I don't know if this can be replicated, but Dak Prescott looked good. I, I, I know... I know, Mike, it's hard to, to talk about this. Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley is special. And, and I, I, think the, the, I think the Giants did a very good job not exhorting the, you know, stamina of Saquon Barkley. We know it's going to be a, a trial year for the, the Giants. They're not going to be really good. So we're not going to exhort all the energy of Saquon Barkley. And I, and I like what they did. They had him in – it's kind of like in baseball with the pitchers. They gave him a pitch count. You know, we're not going to carry, let you carry the football 30, 25 times and exhort your energy because we're not that good. So, but Dak Prescott on offense, he looked good. I don't think he, I think he benefited a lot getting Randall Cobb in the slot. This is a guy that can play deep and play in the intermediate routes. Gallup in his second season, making 
contested catches I didn't see him do last year. And Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott picking up for LA left off. Again, with Zeke, he was in a pitch count. Only 13 carries. So I think on the opposite side, they're not exhorting Zeke Elliott a lot. But I just thought the difference maker was there was a lot of holes in that secondary, that Eagles secondary, Eli, Apple, and others. Um, and, and the you know, and the opposite side, the Dallas defense picked off where they off last year. The you know, Landon uh, Vander uh, Layton, I forgot his name, Mike. Vander yeah, Vander yeah, just just a, the Dutch guy, yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. put it that way. And and Jalen Smith, who got paid, and of course, the big guys inside with Demarcus Lawrence got paid, they got pressure on Eli Manning. I thought that was the difference, but I came out in this game thinking if Killer Moore can play call and open the playbook with Dak Prescott like this, Dallas can really make some noise in the AFC because we did not see that with Scott Linehan. Yeah, we sure didn't. And to be honest with you, Savvy, I'm not surprised at what I saw from the Cowboys. I mean, granted, Dak looked very good. Dak looked very good. He, he did. He looked poised in the pocket. I saw him going out to second and third options and you know, he was very confident in making some very good throws. But you, I, the Cowboys are still in preseason. Uh, week one starts with them coming up. That was a preseason game against the against the New York Giants. Uh, we are clearly in rebuild mode. It was second and third stringers out there on the defensive side of the ball. <coughs> Excuse me. It was no competition. There was no resistance. There was no pressure on that. There was you. Uh, I was Ezekiel Elliott barely even ran the ball, but he didn't have to because Dak Prescott had wide open receivers all over the field. I mean, so our young corners, don't get me wrong, they're young, and some of them are playing in their first NFL game ever. But they got they got torched. They got they got demolished the entire game by a better team. Uh, this Cowboys offense is loaded. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued to see what they look like against uh, other teams. But for for this specific week against the New York Football Giants, they, they it was a preseason game. They, it, right. it was it was no, it was nothing more, nothing less. It was a straight up preseason game, and I, I'm I'm. I, I'm not taking anything away. The only thing I took away from it was that uh, my Giants are in full rebuild mode, and we're not making any noise this year at all. I I, I knew I knew it, Mike. Yes. <laughs> I had the tiger. It, it, it's it's so crazy how you actually really called this time. Like you really called, you really called this to be a time. But to be honest with you, uh, when I was watching the majority of this game, I didn't expect the tie. I didn't even expect it was Arizona to make it close because it was it was ugly early, like you said. I mean. And this Detroit team was looking very good. You know, they looked like they was getting ready to handle their business on the road. But then, excuse me, the, the Kyler Murray and this offense started to key up. He started to make some good rolls. Things started to open up when teams were playing the prevent defense. And, you know, he, he capitalized and made, and, and on his opportunity in the fourth quarter, and he brought them all the way back. Um, it, it was a great game. It was a great – I think this is more of a test and more of a uh, – I think the Arizona Cardinals can build off of this moving forward. And I think you're absolutely right. The Detroit Lions, this is exactly, you know, the this is exactly what they've been in the Matthew Stafford era. A team that can that shows you their potential, shows you how good they can be. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they just let it slip right right, right from their hands. So, uh, I, you, you called the tie. It's exactly what it was. That was a great call by you. And, um, I think I think this this is telling. <laughs> Nobody has the balls to call a tie in a football yeah, this, game. Get it right. Is, uh, if I well, I should have put money down <laughs> on that. <laughs> yeah, this, this is a testament to both teams that Arizona's moving. Can you imagine the outcome? Oh yeah, sure. The the, the the this is a testament to uh, Arizona's future and, and how good they could be. And this is a testament to what Detroit has been for the past eleven years since the Matthew Stafford era. Definitely there. So we'll see how the Kyler Murray does in the second game. And of course, we had the last four o'clock game, which was Jimmy Garoppolo in Tampa Bay. I had the 49ers because I thought they would be a sleeper team because I thought they could be who I thought they could be. They started off rough, but Richard Sherman with that pick six, people forget how good Richard Sherman is. Not the same guy, but still very cerebral at the cornerback position for sure. Gets his hands on you and, of course, tries to get in your head. Does all the chirping on the field. Before there was Jalen Ramsey, there was Richard Sherman. Right. Great pick six. And But I one thing I know about Tampa Bay, I'm close here. Jameis Winston will turn the ball over. That was the defense maker in this game. And so the 49ers traveling back home now, they got a big win. 
in a hot, hot, hot Tampa Bay uh, area. And so that was pretty good for them. And that's the build for a young team that's looking to make the No playoffs. doubt. And you're absolutely right. So two pick sixes were the difference in the, in the ball game. And um, Jameis Winston, uh, I'm sure he'll correct it and get it right. But uh, it was not a good week one for him and not a good showing at all. But that San Francisco defense showed me something. The secondary, uh, you actually write Richard Sherman getting that pick six. He's not the athlete he used to be in Seattle, but he's, he's still smart. He's still, he's still that veteran savvy cornerback that's opportunistic and, and knows how to read wide receivers and knows how to beat you to the spot. And that's exactly what happened on that play. And, you know, I'm, I'm impressed. You know, Jimmy G, he played a solid game. He didn't uh, lose the game for them or make any big-time mistakes. And uh, San Francisco, this is, this, was a, this is a big-time win for them, and I know it's something that they can build off of moving forward. Definitely there from them. And, of course, the Sunday night game, the Patriots raising down their sixth banner. Six Super Bowls in 20 years. Wow, what an accomplishment. Only tying with the opponent they played. That's right, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the only team that has six. They're tied for the most in NFL history. They met up opening night in Foxborough. Tom Brady and that offense, they picked off where they left off, Mike. Can you imagine how they're going to be with Antonio Brown? Oh, You've got Flash Gordon. You've got Edelman. You've got the running backs to work with out of the backfield in space with James White and, uh, and Rex Burkhead, along with Sonny Michelle running the football up the middle. And Tom Brady having all of these requisite tools at his disposal. And to add a weapon like Antonio Brown and all he's done, Mike, is <laughs> only Jerry Rice, again, in the past six seasons compared to what he's done. 1,200 plus receiving yards the last six seasons and six straight seasons of 100 plus catches. You add that with Tom Brady. Uh, I think the league should look out, right? Oh, look out. There's nothing they can do about this. So, I mean, this, this, this is going to be embarrassing what, he's, what they're going to do to most teams. You know, um, the, the Patriots play next this weekend, they play the Miami Dolphins. If you think Baltimore put up 59. <laughs> Which, can you can imagine how the Patriots can run up the score. They might put up 59 at halftime. It's going it's to be a big time. It's going to be a show. This has, Sebi, I'm going to say this. This has an opportunity to look like the best offense since the greatest show on turf. That, that's, how good, wow. that's how good this offense can be. And, and lethal. They have it. The, they have the offensive line. They have the weapons. A wide receiver. They have... The depth at running back, and we all know they have arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever live. So, this this offense is only scratching the surface. They showed you how good they can be, and they haven't even gotten their best weapon yet. And I'm just intrigued. This it's going to be very difficult to beat this football team. And and on the opposite side, the Steelers here. What what happened to them? And my concern was this, and this is why I couldn't pick the Steelers. I didn't mention it last week, but I didn't pick them because I knew Stephon Gilmore. He's another guy that doesn't get a lot of recognition as a great, one of the premier cornerbacks in the NFL. I knew Belichick was going to put him on Juju Smith-Schuster. That was going to be one option. Or they play, uh, uh, they double him. They have a corner and a safety up top. But what they did is they put a physical corner on Juju Smith-Schuster. And again, they're going to make them play left-handed. We're going to force Big Ben to throw on his second and third reads. Who's your second best receiver? Is it? James Washington? Is it going to be uh, a Switzer? Is it going to be Eli Rogers? Is it going to be Vance McDonald? They, they could get nothing on the offensive uh, end. They were anemic. I thought they'd run the football and have success with that, with James Conner. And Mike Tomlin it was searching for answers on the secondary. I mean, <laughs> I, I thought the game plan was just bad to begin with in this game. Uh, it was. This team, they, they clearly weren't ready, prepared for this type of juggernaut of a team. Uh, we talk a lot about the Patriots offense, but this Patriots defense is very underrated and has some playmakers on that side of the ball. And, <coughs> excuse me, when we look at how how they play, um, I, I'm, I'm not taking, I'm not putting too much stock in, in, in um, this, this Steelers team because, losing this game because uh, the it's, it's the Patriots. Like they're going to New England, they they are Ben Roethlisberger's never beaten Tom Brady in New England. He's zero six, and you know they 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 tend to have some very bad games in New England. So 
I'm not putting too much stock into it. I think they'll still have a very successful season. I think Juju, excuse me, I think Juju Smith Schuster will continue to thrive and have and have a, a better, a great season. And he will look a lot better than he did in week one. But I, I think one of the biggest problems in this game that I don't think a lot of people are bringing up was Big Ben Roethlisberger. Ben was not accurate in this game very much at all. Uh, he was very inaccurate. You know, he was overthrowing a lot of guys that were open. He 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 missed a lot of reads, and I expect him to continue to improve on that too. Because I think I think they really just ran into a juggernaut team. I, I don't I don't see this being the uh, uh, mantra of what we see from the Pittsburgh Steelers for the rest of the season. Let's hope not. They have they better clean their up together, and uh, I know the Rooney family is hoping for it as well. I thought it was funny with Ben in the post game. They asked him about Antonio Brown. He what? said, quote, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> that was pretty interesting for me. Monday night, I thought this could be a shootout. And I I, I, I was right, you know. I, I said, okay, well, the Texans finally got offensive line help, two of them, for Deshaun Watson. Boy, Deshaun Watson, only the guy, only guy I've seen do that back-to-back years against Alabama, a real NFL defense and all he's done in his first two years in the league is just put up eye-popping numbers I mean Deshaun Watson to DeAndre Hopkins it's time that we start saying that that might be one of the better ride receiver to quarterback duos in the NFL I saw DeAndre Hopkins he had big expectations this year he wants to have over 2,000 yards receiving not dropping a pass like he did last year, which was an NFL records for 114 targets and, and all that. They went there. They started off really good. I mean, really good. And they've got some playmakers too, yeah. Mike. You've got Fuller. You've got Stills, yeah. who's a speedster. And you've got yeah. Hopkins. Good luck with DBs and secondaries dealing with that. Yeah, given Deshaun Watson, those type of talent. <laughs> but in the end, of course, they did pretty well. I don't understand playing prevent defense against oh, Drew Brees, one of the best to ever do it. Get him in field goal range. And then, of course, can't guard Mike. Get, let him get loose. Michael Thomas, I mean, third down, he's automatic. <laughs> I mean, just throw the ball to him in his direction. He'll get it on third down. It's If it's a third down, it's a conversion. If it's Michael Thomas, they get in field goal range, big leg low, hitting a 58-yarder, and that was ball game. But I just thought the Texans – who I thought could cover, and they did, squandered a big opportunity year, here because if they won in New Orleans, that would have been really good setting up the tone for their team. But, of course, at home in that dome, in the Superdome, that's Drew Brees' sanctuary. It so is. Just like we talked about Russell Wilson and how, and how you know, he's almost unbeatable at home. Drew Brees is the exact same way, and he's been doing this for a very long time. Um, similar to uh, Philadelphia's slow start. I was um, when I saw New Orleans slow start uh, against Houston. I wasn't surprised because just like Philly, Drew Brees and the majority of these starters on offense barely played at all in the preseason. I mean, Drew Brees probably played a couple of drives here and there, but that's about it. I mean, he was very rusty. He had, they had to knock the rust off on this team, but in that second half, they just exploded and, and went went berserk. So uh, it was it was a testament to their will, and it turned out to be a great game. Uh, you're absolutely right, Houston. They they fought hard and they did their thing and they played a very competitive game and they they they, they squandered an opportunity to really, you know, uh, like you said, set the tone for this uh, team. But I think we have to. Uh, I think I, I think one of the biggest things that Deshaun Watson he needs to get protection, man. I mean, yes, a great game. Yeah, but he does. He was sacked six times, hit eleven. Uh, it's 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 going to be a long season if that's how if that's how he's going to be protected the rest of the year. And, and and that's that's the only thing holding the Texans, Mike. That's the only reason why I can't trust trust them. And they have something that is adjustable that that <laughs> that can be tweaked. And that's just the offensive line. They've got everything else. They've got defense. You got merciless. Yeah. You don't have Jadavian Clown anymore. You've got Watt. You've got really good linebackers. I'm still iffy on their secondary, but you got Watson. You got running backs, and you've got skill position players. They only need offensive line tweaking. And I think they're a really, really good team to be a force with. So if they can't protect them, I just don't know how we can trust them. But they definitely miss a golden opportunity here. And in the last Monday night cap game, we were in the black hole in the Coliseum. The Raiders actually 
as an underdog winning at home. We both got this one. We thought that that Denver defense would get after Derek Carr. He looked really good. Very good. Seth Roberts and getting all these guys get going. And Josh Jacobs, a rookie, he was a three. He's a he looked like a three down back. <laughs> I knew he would be a three down back coming into the league. He looked like it. He could pass. I mean, he can catch. He can run the football between the tackles, outside the tackles, and really ran against a very good run defense of the Denver Broncos. I thought that was pretty interesting to me. And so John John Gruden getting that big contrast. I think he wants to get back to old school football. I think he wants to run the football and then play complementary football alongside. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, th- I think he does too. And, you know, I was very impressed with the Oakland Raiders. You know, with all this A-B drama and everything that's going on, we we really lost sight of, you know, the the product and the production that we're going to see on the field for the, this NFL season. And we got a very good glimpse of that against a tough Denver team uh, yesterday. And they were very impressive on both sides of the, of the football, and uh, especially offensively. Derek Carr looked poised. Looked, he looked comfortable. And um, this team, this looked like a team. This looked like a complete team that's ready to compete and ready to make things happen. And I was impressed. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what the Raiders look like the rest of the year. Vikings and the Packers, this is probably one of the biggest games of the week. We saw how really good that Vikings defense played against the all-of-a-sudden resurgence Packers defense. I don't know. This is a really tough one. Last year, they met in Lambeau, and Kirk Cousins played really well. But I'm going to go with that bad man in Aaron Rodgers at home. I think they win. I think they get the job. Yeah, I'm going with the the Green Bay Packers as well. I think they avenged this because last year they didn't beat the Packers. They didn't beat the Vikings. They tied them and then they lost in Minnesota. I think this is is a a better defense uh, that that Kirk Cousins is going against. I'm going with the Packers. Got you. This This is an interesting stat, Mike. The Titans might be the only team in the NFL that benefited with Andrew Luck out and retired, right? So... Career-wise, they were 0-12 against Andrew Luck, meaning they never beated Andrew Luck. They can never get over that hump. And this may be the reason why they can potentially compete in the AFC South. No more Andrew Luck. They're at home against the Colts. Give me the Titans. I'm rolling with the, the Titans as well. I think this will be a, a dog fight. This will be a game similar to the game the Colts just had with the Chargers. It won't be very pretty. It won't be a, a very good game. But, I, but I'm, I'm going to go with the uh, Titans to win an ugly, ugly divisional matchup. Wow. The Giants and the Bills. Giants having their home opener here against the Bills here. Uh, this is pretty tough. Can Josh Allen make it two weeks in a row in New York? And he'll be a legend when he goes back to the Buffalo Bills and Mafia uh, there. This is really tough, Mike. This this is a tough one. But I'm going to say... This is tough. I'm going to say the Bills win. Oh. I want to say the Giants, but they don't have enough. And, and I was not encouraged what I saw in the secondary last week. I think that they're going to meet, you know, John Brown, another speedster on the outside. I want to take the Giants here because I'm taking Buffalo as well. Opener, you don't have to hesitate. The, Bills. the New York Giants don't have anything. They, they, this, this is going to be a, a lopsided game. I, I, I see the Buffalo Bills winning by at least two touchdowns. We're going with Buffalo. The Seattle Seahawks in Pittsburgh. Russell Wilson uh, flying cross country. Pittsburgh, their home opener. I know they want to make amends from Sunday night. This is their home opener in Heinz Field. I think Big Ben and Juju Smith-Schuster Give gets me on Pittsburgh the board a couple times. Well. I Give think me Pittsburgh at loss in Seattle coming across country. I think they'll have some problems with this Pittsburgh team that's motivated and prove, trying to show the team that they will be for the rest of the season. I like the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game. <laughs> Definitely there. The Cowboys and the Redskins. Cowboys open up as a five-point favorite in this. The trenches. I always talk about this when you talk about the NFC East. Offensive line versus defensive line. You want to talk about pro football, what they said. that You talk about the Dallas Cowboys line, the Philadelphia line, and the Redskins line. That is ideally NFC East football. The Cowboys just have enough right now on offense. I like them on the road. I know it's going to be tough. It's a hostile environment. I like what I saw by the Redskins last week. But I'm going to take the the, the, the the boys on the road here. I think yeah, I'm going to take the Cowboys as well. Late. It's going to be a dog fight because this Cowboys-Redskins rivalry 
it's always been a dog fight. And in Washington, the Redskins are going to be pumped for their home opener. They're going to they're going to be fired. They're going to be motivated. But I think the Cowboys will edge it out and win late. It's going to be a tough game, but I'm going to give the nod to the Cowboys. All right. Of course, Mike, the team that we have our eyes on. In fact, the entire 32 teams do. That's the Cleveland Browns, their first ever national televised game in almost two decades. And that's right. Monday Night Football. The Browns in center stage, how will they live up to that? Will the lights be too bright for them? They're going in the Meadowlands against the Jets. The Jets with that epic meltdown. Very epic, epic, epic meltdown. I'm going to take the Jets here. I want to take the Browns. I really do. But 18 penalties, and that's been a a theme too. I don't know how they're going to protect Baker Mayfield. You're going against Quentin Williams and also Leonard Williams. (coughs) CJ Mosley, if he plays, yep, he got banged up late. Jamal Adams, I'm going to take the Jets here. I don't think they can replicate back to back meltdowns on a fourth quarter. Sam Darnold, I, I was, I was, I love what I saw, especially in a passing game to Le'Veon Bell. I think he'll get a couple touches in the end zone. Give me the Jets in a very ugly defensive game, and that means the Browns go in too. I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm rolling with the Jets as well, but I, I think that uh, I think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring. I think I think this team was. Uh, I think the Browns are going to be competitive, but I think the Jets are going to hold surge at home, and you know because the Jets are going to give this team their best shot. This is one of those teams that that's going to give the Browns their best opportunity. You're going to see the best New York Football Jets against the Cleveland Browns, and I expect them to show up and hold surge. What would this be? The Browns go owing to the world must be going to, and, and the Browns with all the hype, all of the expectations going o and two. I, I mean, that weak offensive line. And I don't think in a short week to prepare for the Jets' defensive line is not a good matchup. And this is why I like the Jets. I know they're missing Kareem Hunt fast. Right. They, 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 they definitely are. So I, I, I expect to see uh, I expect to see the, I expect to see the Jets make some things happen. And I, I really like them in this game. Definitely there. And that was our week two pickums. We'll see if we got them right. We didn't. We had a lot of, actually, a lot of agreements. Not really a lot of disagreements there. Especially only the Rams and Saints one, right? I think right. there's probably a few ones, yeah. Definitely, yeah. So, going to be interesting to find out. The Sevy Podcast Radio Show. We're saying so long in a gorgeous evening here in the Central Florida area. Side of studios at WNSC, Michael Gray and myself. For all the sports news that's going on. We want to say so long for now until, of course, next time. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info some cool merch if you want to dm us and send us all of your email requests we'll be sure to get them here on the sebi podcast experience and remember folks whether you're listening on air or viewing online sebi podcast is wherever you go and that is the slogan